All right, we're recording. You bet we are. I hope this works. <laughs> I've never actually like recorded this way. Patch stuff together. I know it'll work. But it's, it's, I've never been like podcasted to somebody technically proficient enough to actually figure it this much out. <laughs> so I forget how this get. I think that's for you to know. Me to find out. Yeah, I guess so. Right. <laughs> All right. So anyways, I was going to start telling you a story. So we were talking before we started recording about uh, waking up early uh, and how we just do that now. And uh, yeah. I've been on vacation. Because we're old, right? That's what, that's what you do when you're old, yeah. I think, is wake up early. Hey, I'm, I'm almost old. Almost. I'm 36. Uh, not quite. Oh, man. Oh, you're a young spring chicken. <laughs> yeah. It's funny, though, this year. So I turn 37 next month. And for some reason this year, I've just thought of myself as 37 the whole time. Instead of 36. I think it's just the curse of 2020. It's like, yep, you're aging faster now. Hmm. See, I had the opposite experience. I I had my birthday about a month ago. And I actually forgot my birthday even happened the other day. Mm -hmm. I was thinking about how old I was. And I still thought of myself as 40, not 41. Because I just actually forgot that I had a birthday. (laughs) And I turned a year older because it was a COVID-19 birthday. I, I, we didn't do anything. <laughs> like we just sat home and it was just another normal old day, except that there was a cake at the end of it. <laughs> that makes any day special. Oh uh, well, yeah, I guess so. I guess. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. that's usually how I am with my birthdays anyways. Is like, I just, I mean, we have my birthday, but my son's birthday is right afterwards too. So it's like, yeah, you know, I, I get, uh, you know, whatever attention for my birthday, but then the focus is really on setting up for his birthday um, but just like, I don't know, I just don't think much of it, but for some reason this year has just been, been different and I'm just, I guess I'm just ready for the year to be over. So I'm like, all right, just call me 37. Let's get this moving. Um, but yeah, so yesterday I, I, I've been on vacation for a few days and normally when I'm on vacation, I like to try to get up early, uh, a little extra early, at least a couple of times. So I can just get up and be by myself for a few hours before my family gets up. Because, like, staying up mm-hmm. late is one thing, but you need everybody to actually, like, go to bed to be able to stay up late and enjoy it. Because otherwise, like, if, if they take forever to go to bed or whatever, you're tired. You don't want to stay up anyways, you know? So yeah. that kind of, like, sucks more than it used to. But getting up early is nice because then you get up early, you get yourself woken up, like, you feel fresh, you know? And you decide what you want to do with the time. So, like, uh, this morning I woke up earlier than everybody else, and I, I cleaned up some. I read a little bit. I knew we were going to be doing this, obviously. Um, but, yeah, it's just kind of nice. But yesterday morning I woke up early because uh, I randomly had it fall into my lap to meet uh, one of the rappers that got me into underground hip-hop. That is awesome. So, yeah, this sounds like it's definitely a story that I want to hear. Yeah, it's it's just like, funny how random stuff is. So he's from Maine. Uh, his rap name is Soul. And years ago, so when I... Is that Soul like S-O-U-L or Soul S-O-L-E? S-O-L-E. And if you Google okay. it, you will... I think the first hit comes up with a, a female rapper named Soul. He's not the female rapper named Soul. He's uh, the male rapper named Soul. Um, okay. I think she, I think she was a little, I, I don't know, like on a label or whatever. Like I'd never heard of her except for the fact that I'd be annoyed when I'd be looking for like Souls albums and her albums would be mixed in there. I'm like, this isn't what I'm looking for. I've never actually listened to her music, but um, is is there? Does he have like? Would you say that there's like a, a good track to listen to to get an idea of like what Soul is all about? My favorite stuff from him is his uh, first three albums. You can listen to them all, I know, on Spotify, which is what I use. Um, 
Um, the first album that he did is Bottle of Humans, which I want to say came out like at least close, yeah, 2000. So, I mean, 20 year old album, which is crazy. I Don't Rap in Bumper Stickers is a good one. Uh, Bottle of Humans, that's probably like his, I mean, it's the like title, title track from that album. Um, those are a couple really good ones from that album. Uh, his second album is Selling Live Water. That's got a lot of good ones. Uh, Salt's on Everything, which was the second record I ever owned was the single to that album that I bought from him at a show. Uh, the first record I ever owned was I found Johnny Cash live at San Quentin at a thrift store for a dollar. So I feel like that's mm-hmm. a good first and second record purchase Yeah, years and years ago. So anyways, back to Selling Live Water. Salt on Everything is a great track. Selling Live Water, those are probably the two best tracks on that album. Uh, or at least two standout ones. And then his third album, Live From Rome, came out in 2005. Has some good ones. Let's see. I just uh, queued up Bottle of Humans, and I'm uh, listening to that a little bit. It's cool. I like I like the uh, um, the beat that he has going to it. Yeah, the production's really good, and that's what... like I was looking at Live From Rome, and I, the, the, the names of the songs actually... I don't remember the names as well as I do on the other albums. Like, I know I've listened to this album a ton. I want to say um, Sin Carne is a, a one that stood out to me. I also like uh, one of the last tracks called Theme. That's one that stood out to me. But anyways, yeah, the, the production from the albums is really good. Uh, especially Selling Live Water, some of my favorite tracks on there are produced by... Um, an artist named Alias who actually died a couple years ago, pretty young from a from a heart attack, and he's also a Mainer. So um, when when he passed away, it was like he's young. He has a young family and everything, so that kind of hit close to home. Somebody like not that much older than me passing away, but oh, his man. his like the production from that era of the music is what really I mean that's what made me love it. But uh, going back to, he's one of the guys that got me in underground hip hop. So my friends, like right after high school, uh, like I was, I was listening to punk music, but there was some stuff that I liked, but I wasn't finding much depth, and it just like, I don't know, I wasn't finding more stuff to really draw me in more. And then I coincidentally started working at a job with somebody that I vaguely knew from high school, but he remembered me, and like we were instantly friends because we had like one Spanish class together. And he was just like, he was just a good guy. He's like, oh, hey, we were in that class together. And we started, you know, we got to know each other. He was friends with a bunch of guys who were making music. And one of my other good friends was making music. I was like, you guys should all meet each other. They were all into hip hop. Um, They were all into making music. And so they became good friends. So, like, I became friends with the whole group because of that. And uh, at that time was right when uh, underground hip hop was really starting to thrive. It was a, a good time for the scene. And of course, I grew up close so like, to LA. So, what, yep. what years was this? I mean, around two thousand. Okay. Yeah, like around that. I, I was seventeen in two thousand, so I don't think I started getting into it until maybe a couple years later. But I was probably like eighteen or nineteen. I want to say probably nineteen was when I was uh, probably really starting to get introduced to it. And Soul is one of the founders of the Anticon label. The first CD I ever had from that was uh, the Anticon Giga single, which was a single. It was like a, a label sampler, basically. So it had um, songs from a, just a bunch of different artists from the label. And they were just like a collective of guys basically making music together. But 
the three rappers that I loved at that time that still have like stuck with me, and they were they were the ones that got me really into underground hip hop was Soul, Sage Francis, and Buck Sixty Five. Sage Francis has gone on to be the first rapper to sign to Epitaph. Uh, he started his hmm. own label, Sage, okay. uh, Strange Famous Records, that he's had for a long time now. Uh, Buck Sixty Five uh, did. He released his first album, like the, both of those guys released their first albums on the Anticon label, and then ended up uh, like kind of going their own ways after that. Uh, Buck sixty five signed to uh, Warner in every country. I, I guess it's like Warner Canada. Um, he's Canadian, so I guess that makes sense. But like he never signed a major label in the U.S. Uh, but he's gone on like he he did a bunch of different stuff like experiment experimenting with the style and stuff and then just suddenly like disappeared just like off the face of the earth like no no presence online stop making music and it's been interesting like over the course of 20 years now to see these guys grow up in different ways and change the focus of their lives you know and like uh i don't know six months ago or so following sage francis on twitter he started saying stuff like about how his his old music, the stuff that made me fall in love with his music, doesn't resonate with him anymore. That's not who he is anymore, which, of course, makes perfect sense. And I started realizing that his music didn't hit me the same anymore either. And I went back and started listening to Soul again some. I hadn't really listened to him as much in years because I had stopped listening to him at a certain point. Because uh, he went on and started kind of changing up his style, and then my life kind of changed when I started a relationship with my my wife, and it was you, know, you start to have less time to find new music and stuff like that. So going back to Soul's first three albums, there, I was enjoying listening to them a lot more than I was listening to the Sage Francis stuff or the Buck sixty five stuff that I had listened to for years. Uh, and I think part of it is just like their style of lyricism like you know the, the the way they they do what they do um souls is i don't know like more poetic more kind of abstract in a way so it's uh even though like it may be rooted in the emotion of like why he's making the music it doesn't feel like so pegged down to the the emotion to where when your emotions move on you you know you like you don't feel tied to it in the same way it doesn't like kind of trudge up old emotions like some music does, you know, like you can think about music you listen sure. to. Some music you, yeah. you you respect like how you liked it when you were younger, but you don't really want to listen to it anymore because you're not that person and it only fits that person anymore. And then some music doesn't matter. It's timeless, you know. You listen to like the Beatles or, you know, like bands like that. and It doesn't matter. Like you can always listen to that music. Uh, so I kind of went through some, you know, self-reflection uh, with that and kind of realized some you you know some music is like that and i just should move on from and not try to like it the same way i used to and find other stuff and you know then find the stuff that you know maybe is that kind of timeless quality but anyways so all that is to kind of set up who who soul is to me but then like a lot of artists it's not like he's some you know super famous guy he's not like rich off his music or anything like he's an artist that was making art because he wanted to make art essentially and I, st- uh, one of my friends that must have like retweeted him on Twitter, and I was like, "Oh, I haven't thought about Soul in a long time." So I followed him at that point, and he doesn't tweet a whole lot. And then at some point later, he tweets something about um, cold frames, which is where you can uh, you make these frames; they're glassed, and you can uh, grow 
plants even in winter, which in Maine, obviously, winter is pretty intense. So, like, being able to do that was kind of like, oh, my gosh, I didn't even know you could do that, you know? Like a greenhouse. Yeah, exactly, except it's just, like, these frames on the ground rather than being a a full greenhouse. But, yeah, it's, like, same kind of concept where it's glassed in, um, so that insulates it. You get, you know, the sunlight coming through and all that kind of stuff. It's like, that's awesome. So I was like, this is cool. Like, this is, you know cooler to follow him and see stuff like this than it is to see stuff about music really and uh and at some point he tweeted something this is like right around the time of uh COVID-19 getting crazy and the lockdown starting and like uh you know just like all the kinds of craziness he tweeted something about his bluetooth speaker died and he was looking for suggestions for a new one and I had a Bluetooth speaker I bought when we bought our house that I envisioned like, oh, yeah, we'll use this to play music outside while we're doing stuff. And then it just never kind of came to fruition. Um, and I realized that, you know, some of the thoughts I had in my head about using it, like headphones were better suited because, uh, like, I mean, I listen to music when I'm mowing on my tractor and oh, yeah. so headphones are needed, you know, plus they kind of protect your ears. Uh-huh. Like a lot of times, like headphones are better. And plus, I have a, a smaller, port- like more portable Bluetooth speaker that I can literally like clip on my belt too. So, like if I want, if I don't want headphones on, that's better because I can literally carry it around with me while I'm doing stuff. Um, so I, I just I, I tweeted back as like I have one you can have if you want, and I live like half an hour north of him basically. And uh, then it kind of disappeared. You know, he's like, "Oh, that that'd be awesome. What would you like for it?" But then like the conversation didn't continue. And then this last Tuesday, my last day of work before vacation, suddenly he responds to it again on Twitter and then sends me a DM, gives me his cell phone number. I start texting with him. We set up a time to meet up to uh, for me to give him the speakers, and he's going to give me some some records or whatever. I, like I told him, like I don't care what you give me for it. Like I really just wanted to do something nice for somebody. If you want to give me stuff, I'm not going to say no. But you know, like mm-hmm. that, it, wow. it doesn't matter to me. That's, you know, it sounds awesome. Yeah, <laughs> like, he's your new like text buddy. <laughs> like, yeah, that's rad. It, that's yeah. amazing. We're texting about freaking growing mulberries and planting and mulching and setting up pools for our kids and just like all this. You know, like normal Uh life kind of stuff so i go yesterday morning uh to meet up with him at a park down in brunswick and it's hilarious because i don't know what to expect like i've met him a few times like 15 ish years ago and it's like i met him at a concert where you know it's like okay the you don't really get to know somebody in that kind of regard but also like the dynamics are pretty well set up you know so meeting somebody that is uh somebody you know from their fame it, you don't know what to expect. Like, I mean, he could be a normal guy, which is kind of what I expected a little bit. Or he could be an asshole. He could be weird. I don't know. Like, you don't know what to expect. Uh, same thing coming the other way. Like, you know, he rolls up and... Uh, you could be some, like, crazy psycho fan who's, like... Exactly. Like, he gets out... a life-size like, cut-out poster and, like, please sign it and, yeah. and lick it and roll on it so you, it smells like you. <laughs> exactly. And, uh... Yeah. Obviously, I'm I'm not quite that bad. But uh, he rolls up. He basically says, he's like, I, I would have just had you come to my house. But, like, I didn't know if I was going to roll up here and get killed or not. So he's like, but you seem like a <laughs> so, pretty normal guy. So, so I'd rather get killed in a park? Is that- <laughs> well, he'd rather get killed not with his family there, I think is the, uh, the I point. I see. Okay. Know, but, <laughs> there we but go. But, no, it was, it, was, it was really cool, though, because, like, yes, I know who he is because of his music. Uh, but the whole interaction happened more because, like, I just saw the opportunity to do something nice for somebody. And it's at a time where anything you do nice for somebody with how stressful the world has been, it's like, just take that shot, you know? 
it, it's no loss to me to give the speaker away and it kind of like it'd make me happy just to give it a, a home where it would get used more basically because I've, I've had it for four years and i've only used it like sparingly so like that was kind of my intent with it was just okay i'm doing something nice for somebody i'm getting this thing to where it's going to get used more and i like i'm not going to miss it i have other things i can use um but he like in texting like we're talking about like because he has like a homestead so we're talking about you know plants and we're talking about you know like stuff like that so he asked me if i could use any tomato seedlings i was like sure i could use some tomato seed or uh yeah seedlings because like my wife is working on getting our, our garden rolling for the year so like there's some stuff already growing uh you know it's like a progressive thing and he asked if i want any eggs i was like yeah i can always use eggs so he rolls up with uh some tomato seedlings a bunch of eggs from his chickens uh he gives me four records one of which is his first record bottle of humans which like i didn't even expect those to still be around like you know i was like that and was crazy. when you say records are you, are you talking like, like vinyl. actual vinyl yeah oh, okay he gives me four records he had asked me like through texting if um if i wanted any like cassettes or cds i said hey i, I can use cassettes because i have a cassette player in my truck i'm actually purposefully keeping my eyes out for cassettes to just kind of have a different way to listen to music where you know it's not like spotify where you pick whatever the heck you want and you can't just skip tracks and stuff like that like you throw a cassette in and you let it play you know so he gave me four records one of them he said is the like one of 10 remaining copies he had one he said was one of five remaining copies he had wow uh so i'm like that's really cool and it was like way too much you know like and he gave me a, a bunch of cassettes he's like these basically um you know like they don't have any they're they don't have any value to me because they're from my defunct label and it's cool though i think like some of them are actually a band that he had with his wife um so I don't know, like I haven't been able to listen to any of the cassettes yet, and the records, some of them is stuff that I've uh, heard before, and some of it I actually haven't listened to before. Um, but then we stood there and we talked for an hour and a half, just about, you know, life in Maine, life dealing with uh, what, what's going on in the world right now, um, you know, is there a future, like what are we working towards, uh, talking about planting, talking about avoiding deer ticks, you know, just, it was, it was that's awesome like not only was it such a cool experience but it's like the kind of thing like you never could expect that to happen and it also has to be like this perfect scenario of like he's somebody that like like i don't want to say idolize because like i don't really idolize very many people um but he's somebody that was very influential and somebody i listened to heavily so like he's a very influential artist for me but then like he also has to be a totally you know like real life guy to have that kind of scenario even be possible you know so it was just it was really cool and it was uh yeah i don't know don't know what else to say about it but yeah it's like it's hard to like i was telling my mom about it last night uh and it's hard to like impart how kind of surreal it is in a way but how also it's kind of like the opportunity happening is totally random but i also expected it to be one where it's like interacting with a normal person not somebody who you know i mean because for most of us our influential artists are going to be huge celebrities yeah like Mm -hmm. you mentioned i was i was trying to like get a correlation for you and your example was uh dead kennedy's like jello biafra wouldn't exactly be normal now would he (laughs) you know you couldn't really relate to him though though interestingly i i once met uh klaus fluoride the bass player from the dead kennedy's uh when i was about 20 
I worked at uh, Wells Fargo Bank, and this guy came in, and he had a, a check from DK Records. And I looked at it, and I said, like, Decay Records, I, I know that. I know I've, I've heard that. Like, Decay Records, Decay Records, where where is that? And so I asked him, I was like, Decay Records, I, I know I've heard this. Why do I know this? And he said, well, DK, Dead Kennedys, um, I'm class fluoride. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, I taught myself to play bass by listening to your albums when I was a teenager and playing along with them. And then he <laughs> apologized profusely for that. He says, I'm so sorry <laughs> for that. And um, he said, well, I would give you like a guitar pick or something, but I don't have one on me. But yeah, that, that was my, we just kind of chatted and stuff. And I, I told him I'd listened to his music for a long time and then cashed his check. And that was about it. <laughs> That was, yeah. that was my similar kind of story along those lines. That's cool. It's always cool meeting people like that, especially when you don't really expect to meet somebody that meant that. You know, it's like uh, I had Harrison Ford come into my store one time in California, but he was also oh, with cool. his. So it's like that, that's the most famous person I've ever gotten in close contact with. But he's also like superstar celebrity status. So he was with his entourage. His entourage did all the actual kind of interacting and kind of. I mean, we knew who he was, but nobody went out and bothered him or anything. Um, so it wasn't like, you know, mm-hmm. he had people like around him like security. It was just he was out like um, riding motorcycles with his buddies, basically. OK, so like but they're, they're the ones that came in and ordered and stuff like that. Um, so it's like it's cool to have those experiences. But it's really cool when like in years like you got to talk to them and just be like, hey, you know, I appreciate it. Kind of my wife has some good. She's she's seen more famous people than I have. But uh, like one of her good stories was uh, Billy Ray Cyrus came in to her store like nobody there was a customer like picked up that it was him the the person that rang him up was like dumbfound and she just gave him like a knowing nod made his drink gave it to him he's on his way mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? yeah that reminds me with uh the time i i rode an elevator with lou ferrigno at um at comic-con because uh, I guess he was staying at the same hotel as me and I got in the elevator and I was like waiting for the doors to close and he like runs up to catch the elevator before the doors close and then like I look at him and I have that like look of recognition and he looks at me and he has this like look like oh man okay like I, I don't want to deal with like a fan thing and he kind of like okay alright what's well, going to happen so I just kind of I just give him a nod and that was it and he just kind of nods back and smiles and that was it and i think it was just kind of a i could tell he was in a kind of a i just want to be done with this right now mode (laughs) so i just kind of gave him that piece to um to have that but i i think there's there's two really cool lessons in this story that i'm i'm seeing the first is um you offered this Bluetooth speaker and that was kind of the initiating incident to this. But I think you would have done that to anybody. Like it wasn't because like, Oh, here's this famous person that, you know, you are uh, trying to ingratiate yourself to. Like, I see you on Twitter. You're always like just pinging people. Hey, do you need this comic? Do you need, I have this thing that I don't need. Do you need it? And like, I just think that that genuine kindness and being willing to share what you have that you don't necessarily need is just like a part of who you are and it's not because oh he's this uh, a rapper person that you knew that you did that i think you would have probably done that for just about anybody 
who who uh, was in a similar circumstance. And then I think the second thing is like this is one thing that I learned from comics and meeting people in comics, meeting creators in comics is they're all just people, you know, like there's actually not a difference, you know, from one person to the other, other than that they do this thing that you appreciate. But when you remove that, they're just a person like anyone else and recognizing that and treating somebody as the person more than just the creator allowed you to have this really cool interaction with him. And I think that there is a lesson in that about how to interact with people that make things that you appreciate and just recognizing that they're, they're a person first and a creator second. Yeah. And you know, you can relate that to just how we should interact with everybody, especially with, I mean, the way the world is the stuff. I mean, I've already mentioned that, you know, part of what, incited this was just the world is so crappy right now that i am looking out to like if i have the opportunity to do something nice for somebody i know how crappy everything is even even if nothing is going specifically wrong for you it's just like the world is so stressful right now um but like that's kind of how you should approach treating everybody and anybody is just like they're a person like you could have differences of opinions you could have uh I, there's just so many different things. I mean, that that's the problem with the world, really, is, like, nobody – not nobody, but, you know, so many people don't treat other people like people first. You see mm-hmm. that on Twitter all the time where it's it's not about wanting to share ideas. It's not about wanting to share positivity. It's a lot of people wanting to crush somebody else's viewpoints because they differ from them. And that's, that's not treating people like people. That's, you know, I like this, so I'm going to, you know – do this awful thing because you say something different. It, it just, I don't know. It's ridiculous how people treat people. And Twitter, of course, is like a great um, window into how awful people can be. Uh, but it's that's it's really like that all around us too. It's a little harder to be awful to people face to face, but people do yeah. it all the time. You know. So kind mm-hmm. of if you take that mentality, like you know, if if you get a chance to meet a celebrity that means something to you. Treat them like a person, and you might get a lot more out of the circumstance. But you're definitely going to make their life better, and that's being—it's being selfless on your part because you get that one shot to potentially meet somebody that means a lot to you. That's going to be like a moment that might stay with you your whole life. But handling that moment right might be sacrificing the potential of meeting them. But it's also giving them that little piece of being human and we could do that with everybody in different ways, you know? Yeah. You see, I I mean, like right now, one of the things you go around places and people either are wearing masks or they're not wearing masks or they're doing the, have you seen the meme where it's like wearing your mask below your nose and compares it to wearing your underwear below your, you know, no, I haven't, but I mean, it it makes sense. Yeah. (laughs) So it's like a little, like kind of like really cartoonish drawing and like, it shows somebody with their mask below their nose and then it's, it's like equals and it shows somebody with like their underwear right below their crudely drawn penis. Um, okay. So now every time I see somebody with a mask on, but their nose out, like I, their nose just looks like a giant penis to me. So it's like really <laughs> just, terrible. yeah, I'm like, <laughs> I have a real, aver- I would rather people just flat out not wear a mask than wear it below their nose because it's, it's useless. And it just like, it's, missing the point i don't know but one of the things i've thought about a lot with this is just do the right things for yourself be considerate of others and don't worry about what other people do you know 
Mm-hmm. That's a great lesson right there. Yeah. All these. I wasn't expecting this this uh, podcast today to have like morals and lessons about how to best live life. Yeah, we have way too many morals in this podcast. We need to throw some, uh, some gratuitous junk in here now. Okay, all right. <laughs> Wholesome part over. Time for some stupid nerdy stuff. It'll be like in planes, trains, and automobiles where they throw the um, the scene in where he says the f word like twenty times <laughs> just to get it the R rating. Like, oh, this movie's acceptable for pretty much everybody. Well, let's have Steve Martin say the f word twenty times so that way we can make this R rated adult movie. All right, sounds good. So uh, you watched Star Wars? I did. You, you did your homework. I did. So. <laughs> Here's my experience watching Star Wars, and it was it was awesome, right? I mean, just don't was it was it amazing or was it amazing? I guess is my question. Star Wars is uh, is quite impressive. I've watched it many times before. It's not like this was the first time I ever watched it. Here's what I found though watching it because I went into this with the intent of like I'm going to focus and pay attention. I'm going to see like if anything stand out to me. It is so hard to really focus and pay attention to that movie because it is just like so ingrained in uh, in our culture. Like I've seen yeah, it before, okay, yeah. but on top of that, it's been parodied. It's been referenced. Everything in that movie has been exposed to everybody so much more than just how many times they've watched the movie. That is the kind of thing that you put the movie on. You don't even have to watch it. And you know exactly what's happening. And it makes it really hard to focus on it, you know? Because you're you're so familiar with it, it feels like you're watching it again, watching something you know, even though I, I think I know what you mean. It's like you're, you're trying to watch something intently where you're like, oh, gosh, I've seen this a hundred times. Like, I already know what's happening. Like, why do I need to watch it so intently? Yeah. And so, I like, I lost my focus in it constantly because I just have it on in the background and, like, be doing other stuff. And it was really hard to stay focused on it. And honestly, I didn't do a great job of staying focused on it. Yeah. Um, You know, most of the times I watch Star Wars now, I feel like it's just kind of on in the background. And I don't focus on it quite as much. And I, I've tried to focus on them a little bit the last couple times I've I've watched them and really kind of like be a little more intense on paying attention to like the story that I'm watching because I, I do kind of lose a sense of that there's a story being told in each of the movies because I, I know it all, right? I know every single beat of that story. I know like the beginning, the next step, the next step, the middle step, the next middle step, the next middle step, towards the end, the end, the end, and then like all the way to the end. I know every single thing that's going to happen. So in a way, it, it loses this sense of it being one complete story to me. So I think that I, I try to focus on that a little bit. It's like, okay, what's actually the story being told in each of these movies? Yeah, like I found myself waiting for kind of the the pop of the scenes that you like rather than focusing on the story. Mm-hmm. And so I, I guess like slowing down and kind of thinking of the story because one of the things that happens too is you get you get used to the overarching story of the first three movies because like those three movies came out from what like seventy seven seventy seven to eighty three. Yeah, so the third one came out the year I was born. So they've been part of my the lexicon of culture for me my my whole entire life. Yeah. So the overarching story is just always there, and people take that for granted a lot, you know. And especially because like by the time they were available to me, I could watch them all together. You start to blur the boundaries of. It's kind of like reading uh, comics one at a time as they come out each month, or reading them as a graphic novel, or. Mm-hmm 
binging through a whole series. Like the more you binge, the more you lose the like the distinction of parts of the story. And that definitely happens a lot with Star Wars. Yeah, I have that experience with X-Men. I've I've read so much X-Men now that it's hard for me to remember any particular issue. Yep. Like I kind of remember different events, but what order they happen and when they happened and stuff like that is like it's fuzzy. Yeah, I'm right there with you with that. I've been doing the same mm-hmm. thing. I think I'm on issue like 244 right now, but I've I've been binging through and like That's a good one. Yeah. Um That's one I do remember because <laughs> well cuz it's Jubilee. So that was the last one I read that. Yeah, 244 is the last one I read. It was the first Jubilee. 245 is my next one up, um, obviously, if you can you know, count one number higher. Oh, that's a Good weird job. one, I think, if I remember. Yeah. Um, I just remember it because it's like the opposite. Like 244 is the like women's day out yeah. at the mall, and then 245 is the men's day out, and it just kind of like – they go out to a bar and it gets really strange is <laughs> is what I remember. Just like, it's, it's funny that I was just saying that I don't really remember what happens issue to issue, except those two issues. I really distinctly remember yeah. really, really well. Ones, like one that reason. stands out to me is the issue. And I couldn't tell you the issue number, but the one where Wolverine takes um, Colossus to the bar uh, after he breaks Kitty's heart to teach him a lesson and he plans oh, on getting him yeah. drunk and then, and then, you know, kicking his butt. Uh, but then Juggernaut's there, and, and Colossus starts a fight with Juggernaut. So Wolverine just sits back. Nightcrawler's there, too. And she's like, no, no, let, let this happen. And Juggernaut beats the crap out of Colossus. Uh, they destroy the bar, and then Juggernaut, like, gives the bar owner money to fix the bar because <laughs> it's his favorite bar. You, you know what's funny, like, about Juggernaut in x-men is that most of the time the story seems to be that the juggernaut is just there and he's just trying to like relax and take it easy and just trying to have a nice day on his own and just like dude like just i I just want to sit here have a beer at my bar and it's all good but then the heroes are like oh no it's the juggernaut we gotta kick his ass (laughs) (laughs) and so then it turns into a big fight and it's not on juggernaut's part at all he just wants to chill out and have a good time but it's the heroes that always like turn it into a smackdown yeah. And I think that that's issues like that. You, you know, so that's one of those where, like, I couldn't tell you what issue that is at all. I, I like, I don't remember. Is it 150? Is it 180? I guess it would have had to have been after Secret Wars because it was that's why he after, broke up yeah. with Kitty. Yeah, I believe that was the first issue of X-Men after Secret Wars because uh, I, I didn't read Secret Wars. So I get, like, from issue to issue, I'm like, what the heck is going on here? Gotta love crossovers, but um, yeah. So that must have been like one eighties or one nineties or something like that, I yeah. guess. But like, yeah, that's one of those where I remember the event happening, but I couldn't tell you where exactly it happened. Yeah, that's one though where like I know it by the cover at least. Where a lot of the you know I look at a lot of the covers and I couldn't tell you the story inside, but at least that's a standout one. But anyways, back to Star Wars. That's kind of what it was like watching Star Wars, and I did try to like focus in on okay, what's happening in this story. And I also try to focus in some more on details because you just get so used to like your mind's eye picture of what things are. And so paying attention to details, like one of the things that I've always respected a lot about Star Wars is it did a lot of very cool things without technology and without without a lot of money behind it, too, because it's not like this was a big budget film like they are nowadays, you know. Mm -hmm. And like one of the things like right off the bat, you get the, you know, the rebels and you get stormtroopers showing up. The stormtrooper 
uniforms are like iconic, you know. So those they seem really cool. The you know the helmets they're unusual, but they're just they're iconic now. They're cool and like I think those were well designed. The the rebels are wearing this really stupid looking helmet. Yeah, they are. <laughs> but still, it's not quite as bad as it could be. The the way I put that one in perspective is like their outfit was so bad that they didn't get an action figure, <laughs> right? I mean, they, they made action figures of everyone. They made action figures of the power droid, the gonk droid that shows up for like two seconds in the background of one shot, but they didn't make an action figure of those rebel troopers. So I, I that <laughs> it was always kind of put it in perspective of how terrible <laughs> they looked. To yeah. Me. I, I think like the, the best thing you can say is that they weren't bad enough to be more than like benign. Because they are, they are kind of silly. It's like, and they're wearing vests. Like, why is everybody wearing vests? The vests aren't serving a purpose on them. It's literally like a fashion choice for the, the them to be wearing a vest. Who wears well, yeah, vests? I guess it's you know? like their uniform, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, it's kind of like I mean, I don't know exactly what uh, you know what fashion was like at the time, but it's almost like they go, okay, we want them to look like kind of normal, but then we got to make them look a little bit different. Like the shape of the helmets is like, just have them wear a normal freaking helmet. Have them wear hats. Are, are they rebels? Like, are they a well-organized, like, rebel army? Uh, maybe they shouldn't all be dressed the same. But, you know, like, also, like, this being the first movie and stuff, you're trying to give this uh, this sense of cohesion. So, like, having the, those similarities is uh, a positive in that way. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, it definitely, like, they looked a little silly. Those are the two things about how they looked that stood out to me is the helmets are very silly looking and very much make me think of the helmet that um, in Spaceballs, like the, the Darth Vader character. What's his name? Oh, Dark, Hel- Darth, Dark Helmet. Yeah, Dark Helmet. So, like, his helmet yeah. is, like, really ridiculous. Obviously, like, they have Rick Moranis' face exposed in it, so that way he can, you know, do comedic acting. Um, yeah. The way the helmet is just this massively draped over his head thing, that's really what the Rebel helmets are like. It's like they're just, like... Okay, we're not just gonna be on your head. We're gonna like kind of flow to your shoulders. It's just like that was the silly. It is bizarre. Part of but you you know, I think that that aesthetic is all around that movie. Like if you think about those people in the Death Star that are operating uh, the Death Star controls and the firing controls, they're wearing like these big giant helmets. So somehow, like in the Star Wars universe, big giant helmets kind of became a thing. Yep, a silly, silly thing. Um, yeah. <laughs> so th- that was like the, the one thing that stood out as silly to me. The other thing that like I could see a little bit, um, but once again, like it's kind of digging into minutia that just is is dumb to dig into, really. But um, the way they would move sometimes was not at all like uh, I think we're used to nowadays seeing in movies like a well done movie. There's a lot more training with uh, like the stormtroopers. They're military personnel, right? They're high. They should be highly trained. Um, yeah, they're, they're just well kind of like bumbling around. Yeah, they're just kind of like walk, they're, laser, they're, yeah. they're walking like people that are trying to act like stormtroopers would walk. Like it, it's, you know, they, there's nothing that really screams to you like these are highly trained individuals, you know. Uh, but, you know, once again, like if you focus on those kind of details, then you're just kind of being dumb and, and finding reasons to dislike a movie. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, th- those are really the only kind of details that stood out to me in any kind of a negative way. Uh, the movie really is like it's it's a good story. Some of the lines feel very like we're trying to talk like 
people would talk, but they haven't worked it out yet. But that's what you're going to get at the first of something. You know, this is like the mm-hmm. the birth. Like uh, one of the lines always stood out to me was when uh, Luke wants to go meet up with his friends. The line he says, um, "But I was going to Tashi Station to pick up some power converters." That that one, yeah. Mm-hmm. It feels too manufactured, you know. Even then, like I, I really thought about it when I was watching it because I like that line has always kind of stood out. Uh, as as being a little you know silly feeling, but I really thought about it. it. Really wasn't that bad. We're used to it being built up as being that bad because it's been exaggerated for you know over thirty years now, forty years, uh-huh. a lot of years. So what I like about that is it actually you know people kind of bash on Luke and how whiny he is at the beginning of the movies, but I think that that's important. If he wasn't just kind of a whiny kid that was like complaining about, oh, I could pilot the ship better and, you know, I want to go hang out with my friends and all this stuff, then he wouldn't have gone through a journey. He wouldn't have changed at all throughout the course of the movies. Yeah. He, he has to start as this kind of snotty kid who is just kind of whiny, doesn't really know what's going on and it like thinks he can do things that maybe he can but maybe he can't and is kind of just well you know i want to go to the imperial academy and you know it's that starting point for the characters i think a lot of what makes the movie so great is he really actually is forced to grow up and come a really long ways throughout the course of i mean even just the first movie he comes a long way and but then you take that to the next step throughout all three of the movies he just goes from like zero to a thousand in terms of the life that he goes through and experiences and what he has to do and how much he has to grow up and rely on himself to save the galaxy, like literally save the galaxy. Exactly. I mean, just in that first movie, like you said, by, by the end, like he really, he, like you feel the difference in maturity. You feel that he's uh, not only self-confident, but you see the the leadership and the self-sacrifice. Like he is willing to risk himself to, to you know take the shot to blow up the death star um which there's just so many things to kind of make fun of there too i guess but <laughs> well sure let's, yeah let's leave this open it's, channel it's a, but um yeah it's an easy movie to make fun of yeah. because it's it, it is pretty goofy like i admit that it's yeah my favorite movie but it is there are kind of goofy movies and there's a lot of really just goofy strange stuff in them that's really i mean that's that's what movies are and when you know what's coming, it's really easy to like look at the things to make fun of. Have you watched Knives Out? Yes, I saw that uh, a week or two ago. I just I finished watching it. it last night. I watched it over like two nights. Uh, very good movie. Very entertaining. I I loved it. Like yeah. that's one of the. I think I enjoyed that movie more than any new movie I've seen in quite a while. I agree. Like it was very enjoyable. But having thought these thoughts with just watching Star Wars, I was actually kind of like thinking of that with this movie a little bit because it's this you know really entangled kind of murder mystery and you think you know exactly what happened but you know that you know something's fishy and of course like i mean they set it up to where like by halfway through the movie you know what happened and well yeah that's that's what i loved is like halfway through the movie it seems like they solve the mystery but then i'm like but this movie is only halfway over what the heck is going on what is the rest of this movie and it keeps like taking these 90 degree turns from where it's going over and over and over in a really cool way. Yeah. And what's, so what's funny about it though, is like halfway through the movie, you like everything that you know is fact right then is fact. 
they flat out show you this is what happened but there's more details that you find out later so like nothing is is it's not a fault it's not like a red herring it's not a false lead it actually is true but there's just other details that change things but they make you fall in love with with the you know the main character i would say um i, I don't remember her name because i'm awful with names but like uh you know the nurse yeah because you know she's a good person and so you know that like by all rights she is the 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 one that did these things but you don't want her to get in trouble so you're going through the movie like that and then of course by the end like you know the other details come out and she she didn't actually do anything wrong and you know so like it, it was very satisfactory. It wasn't like you get to the end and she has to go to jail because she actually did kill the guy. She actually, yeah. you know, it's whatever. Like, watch the movie if you want to know the story. But yeah, it has a happy ending, which which I love. Yeah, I love that too. Uh, too many movies with unhappy endings nowadays. But uh, back to how it relates to to what we're saying about Star Wars, it gets more and more convoluted, and that's what makes it fun. Like there are all these twists that are for the sake of being twists, and it's really obvious. Mm-hmm. And it's, I mean, it's all built around the death of a murder mystery writer. Murder mysteries are rife with ridiculous scenarios and twists. This is you know, the same what, thing with Star Wars, to, you know? Like, yeah. What I liked about Knives Out, though, is it totally played fair the entire time. Like, it never said, ha-ha, we fooled you, or, oh, here's this thing that, like, came out of nowhere. Like, it actually played fair, and things that it brought up at the beginning of the movie, it respected what it establishes and makes it matter all the way through to the end so that everything works. Like, it, it never... Uh, goes against its own internal logic or comes up with some new piece of logic out of nowhere that didn't exist before. It all is there, like it all plays fair with itself and it just kind of builds on itself and kind of, it almost feels like it repeats and repeats and repeats, but kind of grows and adds each time through. Yeah, and it really makes the characters enjoyable too, which is nice. Like oh, even yeah. the ones that you dislike, there's there's some color to them, you know, to to make them more than a flat unlikable character but is it roger craig the the guy who played the the detective or not the detective daniel uh, craig daniel craig there we go i know i was yeah, gonna get the name yeah. wrong daniel craig yeah roger craig is a football player i think uh anyways uh daniel craig he was great and i love like uh you know of course like what i had seen him in some before which i don't even think i've watched a whole one of the james bonds where he was james bond but i didn't really know what to expect and then he comes out and i love that he's like the uh I mean, they make fun of it so much in the movie, too. He's like the, the southern fried, you know, uh, yeah. private eye. Um, you ever watch Futurama? You know the space chicken that plays the lawyer? I've, I've watched a lot of Futurama, but I don't remember the space oh, chicken lawyer. You know the space chicken lawyer. He's, he's the same thing, like that southern fried, deep drawl. Oh, uh, yeah, bum- okay. But, yeah. like, you know, the bumbling idiot. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I just I love that that he had you know was was so much that character. They made fun of that throughout, and I loved when he was uh, he was entertained by like his own revelations and so like he he was not like just too cool for school the whole time. They like I love the times when he like bust out laughing at somebody because they were idiots or um, I, I loved his character and it added a lot to it. And I had you know it was a good movie. There's a lot to enjoy in that movie. Yeah, I th- I think we we give it two two recommendation thumbs up. Definitely it sounds like so. Star yeah. Wars strong sideways thumb, right? That's what we're saying about that. Yeah. A lot well, of whole it, no. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it's hard for me to say. Like, I can't approach Star Wars objectively anymore. 
because I have seen it. I've probably seen Star Wars between 50 and 100 times in my life. Uh, and that it's just, it. I can't be objective about what it is anymore because it's not that sort of experience. Like it's hard for me to talk about objectively about the storytelling yeah. or, you know, the, the characters and way it tells it because it's so much part of this bigger thing that I'm a fan of, which is the larger star Wars universe. It's like, I've, I don't know. I've, how many star Wars comics have I read? How many books have I read? And I've seen the movies so many times. It's all kind of part of this bigger thing that i'm a fan of so it's hard to just talk about that piece of it very objectively yeah and i think there's i don't think you have to like i think that's the biggest thing it's like oh, thank you <laughs> it's like uh it's like wolverine a lot of people hate wolverine because he's overexposed right well if you like wolverine you don't care you just like you like wolverine like at some point Wolverine resonated with you enough that regardless of overexposure, you just enjoy the character and you might make the the decision at some point. It's not even a conscious decision. It's just, I like this character enough that I don't really care what it is. I'm going to enjoy it. Like for me with Wolverine, he's one of my favorite characters, but I also haven't read, tried to read everything that he's in. You know, I've, I've read stuff that comes across, but even like a mediocre Wolverine thing, I'd probably enjoy okay because I haven't been overexposing myself to him this whole time. But he's a character that I, he was interesting before I read him, but then starting with reading Claremont's X-Men and seeing how he's developed by Claremont, he's a character that I have a lot more respect for. So people can do stuff like, you know, attack the, you know, the origin story as being stupid. It just, I don't know, it was it was an enjoyable story. It doesn't also doesn't mean that I have to think, like, okay, the, how do I fit this into Wolverine's history? Who cares? Like, it was a story that changed everything about Wolverine's history. It was still in a, you know, it's like, I don't read Old, old Man Logan, like, how is this going to fit in? It's just a good story, you know? Yeah. Uh, with Star Wars, like, there's no reason to have to, okay, is this one little piece good or not? I think that's the thing that I battle with with, I see so many people enjoy Star Wars as a whole so much. And I don't want to be, like, head over heels about it like a lot of people. But I also just, like, I don't get the same enjoyment over the new Star Wars movie that comes out or something like that. Because it just, like, it hasn't grabbed me that way. But I've also seen stuff like, uh... I guess, like, how much I enjoy Wolverine now is an example where he was just a character before. He was cool, but he was just a character, and now I enjoy him more because I got more exposed to him. But, uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think of another example. Sci-fi and fantasy stuff, like, if it's just, like, real, like, straight-up sci-fi and fantasy, just, like, that's never my cup of tea. That's I like stuff that has those elements, but if it's really direct, that's where I don't get as intrigued by the, the world-building unless something else really sucked me into it. Yeah, I think I have to be sucked in by the characters. Yeah. And that's what I've really found that I really appreciate is, you know, you can, a story can have the most amazing premise or setting or build up. But if I don't really care about the characters, I'm not really going to care about the story. And a story that has a kind of so-so setting or setup, but really great characters and tells a really great story with those characters I, I'm going to like it because I think that's mostly what I like is is characters in stories. I like when I think about the X-Men, You, we, we've been talking a lot about that. 
it was kind of like what what you said. You brought up that story where Wolverine takes Colossus to um, to the bar. I remember that one very much. And but what I I don't really remember like oh yeah they fought Juggernaut and it was awesome that they fought Juggernaut. I remember that Wolverine was kind of pissed off at Colossus and he wanted to teach him a lesson because he thought that Colossus had kind of done dirty to Kitty. Yep and that's what i remember is like what the characters went through and the details about the what happened as far as the action goes is like not as memorable to me um and so and and that's a lot of what i like about my favorite x-men stories is what do the characters go through and not who do they fight or what's the evil plot or anything like that exactly yeah that's that's the the low points you know if that issue was just uh about the fight the fight would have been meh you know but it's the, the like the two pieces of that that make that such a special issue to me is exactly that Wolverine is gonna whoop this kid's ass to teach him a lesson for hurting somebody else's feelings deeply, and then mm-hmm. Juggernaut at the end being like, "This is my favorite bar. Here's money. Fix it," and like showing that piece of him where he's you know like that's something that means a lot to him, and also like obviously he's apparently quite well off as a villain. And he's yeah, that's awesome. He's willing to use his, uh, you know, use his money for somebody else. You know, not just like, oh well, too bad your bar is busted. I'll go find another one. I, you know, like he care is showing that he cares about stuff. You know, so like yeah, that that's what makes that issue so great, and that that's what makes a lot of X Men so great. It's not the the fights and the battles, and that's I, you know, I think that like watching the original Star Wars trilogy can be a little bit hard to dig into what really matters because so much of it has become the archetype for things, you know, like, uh, Han Solo is a, like, he is the example, the dashing. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And of course, like, you know, those, those archetypes were taken from something else. Like, it's not like they're original concepts, but they've become the example for so much since then that you just like, you feel like, you know it, but when you slow down and pay attention to some details, like you can definitely grab onto things. Um, tangential example we took my son to the drive-in theater to see et uh last weekend and i've seen et a few times over my life uh you know i i liked the movie a lot as a kid i've watched it this is probably like my third time maybe watching it as an adult but one of the things that i realized now with uh, the age that i am is that the mom in et is hot and so like <laughs> I looked it up she's younger than I am now like when she was in that movie she was younger than I am now your perspectives on stuff change like you can watch a movie like that and uh, like recognize something like that that's totally different like you see people differently when you're in a different position in your life and you know especially nowadays where you know uh, like sexuality is so readily available like you can find the least subtle, most sexual thing in seconds without effort nowadays. Yeah, sure. And there's no fun in that. Like, that's not, you know, there's nothing satisfying about that. And that's why, like, uh, you know, in Star Wars, jumping into later films, but, like, uh, when you get Slave Leia, you know, thinking of that in the context of that time is, like, that is some, especially, like, uh, you know, for younger people that like didn't have exposure to anything like that like it's kind of cool to to see something that can be like uh, appealing in that way 
but without being gratuitized, without being lost in the shuffle of everything else being able to be so much more gratuitous and, you know, things like that. Like, there's all these kind of elements like that. Like, there's, you know, those elements of, like, this This is what, like, sexy is that gets lost in the shuffle nowadays. It's the subtlety. I mean, not that Slave Lay is that subtle, but, you know, there are subtleties yeah. and stuff. Um, yeah, but it's, it's not just, like, in your face. And I, I think that one thing that it does... In, in its benefit fairly well about the slave Leia thing is that it never, it, it doesn't like put her on display f- just for the sake of putting her on display so that the viewer can like get a, a good eyeful yeah. for the most part. Yeah. There wasn't like it, any gratuitous nudity scene or something like that, you know? Yeah. It, it I mean, it, and yeah, this is easy for us to say is like white dudes are like, Oh, it's totally cool that she's in a bikini. <laughs> right. Um, but I do think that it does a good job of at least giving making story reasons why it's happening and uh, sticking to her story while she has to go through that, even if it is a very demeaning thing that she is forced to go through. They never just kind of flaunt it for the sake of flaunting it. Yeah, and- it's they flaunt it for the sake of telling the story about what she's going through. Yeah, and, and on top of that, they give the um, the resolution isn't that she gets saved from this. She, I mean, she does. Like, it's partially other people having a part of it, but she doesn't sit there and get saved. She's the one that kills Jabba. You know? Yeah. So, I mean, like, it still comes back full circle to, like, the badassery. You know, like, she, she is a badass female character that is never weak. And anybody, like, no matter how badass you are, can be subjected to somebody else's will if they have more power than you. But yeah, like that, that's, I mean, Han gets frozen in carbonite, you know I mean? Like it's all throughout it. That was the, was, you know, her thing in it. And, but she's still like, it wasn't just, she got rescued by the men and her day was saved. Like she needed help to get rescued, but she was a part of that as soon as she could be. And it's like that all throughout the movies, you know? And and I think that, that's one thing that is great about star Wars is it, the characters are really good and it's three very different characters of that big three trio of like Han, Luke and Leia that all of them are required together to get the story done in their own way. And that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to continue on watching them too. And uh, I had debated when we originally brought this up of whether I wanted to start at episode one and work my way up, but I decided I really didn't want to start episode one. It's been a long time yeah, since I've watched it, but uh, I figured start with, you know, go in release order. But also, like, the original trilogy is really, as far as creativity, that's the, the heart of everything. And I don't think anything beats that. Um, so, you know, there's there's some drawbacks to the, the prequel trilogy that, even though I haven't seen in a long time, like, I know they exist. But, uh, you know, being able to go into watching those eventually and, like, try to look at the characters with new, you know, a new eye on them is going to be interesting. Uh, and I think that's really like what I'm with... looking for is, like, see what see what more there is to get out of the characters than just the, the like, public conscious, everybody knows this about them aspects, you know? Yeah, I feel like with the prequels, I have to look at it more of okay, what's the story that they're actually trying to tell and not necessarily the story that they are telling? Because I I think the, the everybody, I think, recognizes that the prequels are not as high quality of movies and that sometimes the acting and the dialogue is a little wooden and 
not as fluid and <laughs> easy flowing as some of the other movies. So I feel like I kind of have to look at, okay, what what's the story kind of hiding just underneath the surface of these performances that um, that's where I find a lot of meaning with the prequels. Yeah. Yeah. I, I honestly, I, I remember very little about them and thinking about it. I remember the kid racing and winning a race. And I partially remember that because it was uh, one of the parts of, of a video game that was good. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, <laughs> I of course remember <laughs> vaguely Jar Jar Binks. Uh, yeah. There's a lot of Jar Jar in that first movie. Natalie Portman is in them. Yes. That's, that's about are- what I remember. <laughs> Okay. There's some good lightsaber battles. Darth Maul. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Like I know I went to see episode one in the theater, like one of the like the midnight showing type of deals. My cousin was big into Star Wars, and it was just it was fun to go do. Oh yeah, I camped out overnight to get tickets for that. Uh, I remember my friends and I. We all knew when the tickets were going to go on sale, and it was like one particular day at noon and this is when i was going to school at uc santa cruz so i I went down to downtown santa cruz to check out the theater the afternoon before the tickets were going to go on sale and i saw that there was already a line starting to get the tickets so i ran to a a payphone because back then we didn't have cell phones because this was like the late 90s (laughs) none of my friends had cell phones yet so i got the payphone and i called my uh some of my friends in the dorm room and i said there's a line I'm getting in it. Get your butts down here as fast as you can. And then we all like took turns camping out throughout the night to uh, save our spot in line so we could buy uh, tickets for the show. <laughs> and and then we had to, after that, waiting almost 24 hours to get the tickets, we have to get to the theater like six or eight hours ahead of time to get in line to get into the midnight showing. And it, it was a weird time because that was probably one of the last times that something like that happened because it was just before the internet really started to take off as a means to purchase things and schedule things and buy tickets to movies and stuff like that. Hey, that didn't really exist in 19, I think it was 1999 when that happened. It was either 99 or 2000. I, I can't quite remember. Yeah. Now you just have to know when the tickets go on sale and you know within five minutes whether you got one or not. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> a lot less of an of yeah. an investment. Yeah. Uh-huh. But it's, it's funny how much that adds to the enjoyment of things. Like the, the amount of effort you have to put in to, to get a ticket to something or to, to wait in line. Like I never had trouble getting tickets like to uh, to concerts, you know, talking about Soul when uh, when we started this podcast. Uh, going to the underground hip-hop concerts I went to, getting the tickets was never the problem. The show's probably didn't sell out like we always bought our tickets ahead of time but like it wasn't like you had to buy them when they went on sale you just buy them ahead of time so that way because they probably did sell out but not like immediately like that you know uh but then you'd have to get to the show early to be you know towards the front of the line because it was all general admission like there weren't even seats most of the time it was just like standing room shows and so you get Mm -hmm. there early so you could go stand right in front of the stage and you'd have to stand there all night in front of the stage. Not like you can, like, you know, okay, here's my seat. Now you save my seat while I go do something. If you yeah, left, that doesn't work in a place like that. Yeah, you left, you lost your spot. 
because everybody's going to pack in around you. And even if you had somebody there, if you left, you'd have to fight back through the crowd to get back to your spot, and that wasn't going to go over well. So it would literally be like standing outside for you know potentially hours in line to rush inside and then stand right in front of the stage until the show started. And usually it was like it was loose enough that like you could go before the show started, go like to the merch booth or whatever. Um, but then once the show started, you were there. And if you left, you weren't yep. getting back up to that spot. Uh, the first time I saw Soul, actually, uh, was at the Knitting Factory in Hollywood. And I was front and center on the stage. And he spent most of the time rapping literally at the front edge of the stage, basically standing over me to the point where, like, I was trying to avoid his sweat dripping on me because he was also rapping his ass off the whole time. You kind of – the easier stuff gets, the more you lose that. You know, now it's like, you know, in a few minutes if you got through your tickets or not. And if you missed it, it you know, it sucks. Like, there's all that excitement, the effort. Like, you have to know when to be online to get your tickets. You have to refresh, 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 trying to get in, whatever. That's not the same, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. But it's still, like, it has that yeah. little bit of effort. But, you know, nowadays with movies, you you get your ticket. You reserve your seat. You don't even have to get there early. You roll up. And it's a, it's, it's a good thing overall, you know. But Yeah, I like it. I In a way, I don't miss it because I'm older. And if somebody told me to see the new Star Wars movie on opening night that I had to camp out overnight to wait to buy a ticket, I'd be like, eh, I'll, I'll wait and see it on Saturday. Yeah. I can wait those two days. Like my like, time has a lot more value than that. I would much rather be sleeping at that time. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I could stay up past 11 o'clock anymore. Like, I'm, I'm getting old. Like, that does not sound pleasant at all and i am not excited enough about uh much of anything to camp out overnight for it like that yeah it's you know it's funny looking back uh at the the ages that we are and thinking about how that changes and when you're young like you are so idealistic and passionate and so like consolidated on one thing and that's why i mean you look at the stuff that you and i like as adults now whatever we liked when we were young is deeply ingrained in us because of that level of focus and passion and as you grow older you definitely learn that uh not everything is worth the effort and also to grow yourself as a person you have to be more open-minded and accepting of of other people's viewpoints and thoughts and stuff like that um and it opens up your world to a lot of new things but you're, you know, your your ideal is not always exactly right. Like there can be truth in it that's good to hold on to, but there's more to it because there's a lot of ideals and there, there's going to be a lot of right ideals that are also conflicting in some way. If you don't think about how to put the pieces together, it all goes together that way. So it's like I have Ninja Turtles deeply ingrained in me. I love them as a kid. I didn't even start reading the comics until I was an adult at all. But it's like I can enjoy Ninja Turtles top to bottom, uh, you know, like the cartoons. I can watch the old ones and enjoy it in moderation. Uh, the Not the newest, newest Nickelodeon one, but the one before that, I watched pretty much that whole series and it was enjoyable. The newest Nickelodeon one didn't quite hit me the same way, but I'm also like it's not everything has to be for me, even if it's the characters that I love, you know. That's a very mature thought process that not a lot of people can successfully uh, impl- impl- implement if you believe the internet. You know, yeah. I, th- I think about how sometimes people are outraged by, oh, this character that I loved as a kid is now uh, being recreated for kids today and it looks different and I'm upset about it. It's It's really absurd to me it's like yeah maybe it's just this isn't 
for you anymore and that's okay because there was something for you you know i i don't read every like star wars kids comic and get excited about i don't like this childish story that they made for children with the characters i like that's just it's stupid right it's there's no sense in that i kind of pick and choose the things that i like from the fandom and appreciate those things and the things that i don't like as much i just kind of leave for others exactly i mean would you would you get like one of the learn to read kids books of something you like and be like why don't i like this why wasn't this written for me it clearly is written yeah. for kids. guess what kids cartoons are made for kids like we like the ones when we were kids because we were kids when we freaking watched them and maybe there's you know there are some that as adults we can watch and and appreciate in a similar way but stuff is going to change and there's a lot of entitlement like everybody's entitled like they they just deserve stuff you know it yeah that drives yeah. me nuts and if you feel that entitled to anything you're you're and it just like that's why, you know, online, if some, I have like just a rule on Twitter. If somebody pisses me off with something they say, even if it's not directed towards me, if I don't want to see it, I block them. I don't have time for that. I don't have time to get irritated over stupid crap. So I block them and I move on. And oh well, you know, and some people even get pissed off about that, like getting blocked for, you know, what they think is no reason. When I was starting to try to weed out my Twitter some, I blocked the, the Twitter handle for another podcast. Not because I had any problem with anybody or the podcast, because I didn't even listen to the podcast, but because I got tired of seeing stuff show up in my Twitter feed that I didn't want to see, that I just didn't care about. So I blocked mm-hmm. it. I could have mm-hmm. muted it and also still not seen it, but I just, like, I whatever, like, how much do I care? And I actually had one of the people from the podcast message me and ask me why I blocked him. I was like, oh, I just blocked it because I didn't want to see what you were posting, but I'll, I will unblock it and mute it now. You know, what difference does it make? And they didn't even follow up with it. They didn't care why. They didn't care my reason for anything. They just like, okay, did we do something wrong and piss you off? But then once it wasn't that, it just ghosts like nothing. People get really entitled about stuff. And there's so much to enjoy, even in the stuff that you could, like, decide you don't like. Being a Ninja Turtles fan, the last two Ninja Turtle movies, had a lot of stuff about them I didn't like. But what I did is I went into them saying, I want to enjoy this, and I'm going to you know, try to enjoy it. And they were both enjoyable. Even if I didn't love them, there was stuff that I enjoyed being able to see them on the big screen was cool. Seeing bebop and Rocksteady on the big screen was cool. Yeah, even if I didn't love everything about characterization or like the worst thing in the, that second movie was Casey Jones, like, and not just the, the Stephen Amell's acting, which I also don't think was great, but wasn't the end of the world, but the, the way they did his character, who they made his character, the stuff they changed, like I just didn't care for it, but it also didn't ruin the movie for me. And there's no reason to let it ruin the movie for me. You know, I'm usually pretty good at that. But to be honest, um, where I have had trouble with that is the latest Star Wars movie. Because I didn't like it very much. Um, But it's also the finale to nine movies. You know, it's episode nine out of nine. It's it's both the uh, end of episodes seven eight and nine and episodes one through nine and it didn't really leave me feeling like it it gave me a satisfying ending to that overall story it seemed like it just kind of like was a lot of plot that happened without a lot of meaning to it um and that's one i've I've actually i've had a little trouble um taking that approach with because I, i i feel like in my mind like this is supposed to be the conclusion to all of this but at the same time it kind of leaves me down so you know how do i 
rectify those those two things of of just kind of like you know let it be what it is and not care about it but at the same time feeling kind of let down that uh this movie didn't wrap up this story that has been a big part of my life for you since i was four years old yes i think those are drastically different things though i think that what you're saying is i've invested all this i have an investment and i have a right to have a feeling about how it ended and i don't feel like they ended it well but um, I, I guess what I'm as saying opposed is, to, do I have a right? I don't like this character. Yeah. I mean, like, like, yeah, I mean, I mean, I guess I have a right to feel that way, but is it reasonable? Because that, that then makes me feel like, well, am I just being entitled? Like, am I feeling entitled to say, like, this movie is supposed to make me feel a certain way? Like, that that feels like being entitled. So even even though I have those feelings, I feel, like, frustrated that I have those feelings at the same time. Yeah, see, I think that feeling conflicted shows that you're conscientious of uh, of just that entitlement fact. Um, but there's a big difference between that and the entitlement of, uh, I hate this character. Why did they do this? This is stupid. I need to talk about how stupid this character is. You know, like we make fun of Jar Jar Binks. But even back then, before the days of, you know, Twitter and, and Internet, you know, bitching, uh, people made fun of Jar Jar Binks, but like, how many grown ass men did you see like having a breakdown because there was a stupid character in the movie? You know, and that that's like that's the problem with entitlement is when it's unfounded. You don't have a reason for it. Like, you can look at episode nine, which I haven't watched yet. Um, I fell asleep during episode eight. I watched episode seven, but don't remember it. So we'll get there eventually. Okay. But uh, you can uh, you can watch episode nine and you can think of like real reasons why you don't feel satisfied with it and you can express those reasons. And I think that's a big part of the difference, but then you're also not trying to go out and ruin everybody else's enjoyment of it. You're not out there saying episode nine was crap. Anybody who likes it is an idiot and that kind of stuff. Yeah. And that's a big difference. Yeah. And and I've tried to kind of like not express that right on Twitter. And I probably put on a couple posts about like, I was really disappointed with this movie but I try not to go on tie rides about like this. Here's an awful reason. Here's 20. This was an awful movie. Here's 27 reasons why. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, right. It's, I feel like that's not, it's not going to help at that point because yeah. the movie exists. That, it is what it is. Like going on a tirade isn't going to change that. If anything, yeah, but the, like episode nine is one ninth. It's, it's, uh, Two hours at the end of a sixteen-hour investment of just like watching the stories once, like even just that is saying like it's not just that two hours; it's part of a much bigger investment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can say it's like one of nine parts, but like I think when you say like, "Hey, if you sat down and watched these movies, sixteen hours," and it's more than that because I think they're all a little bit over two hours at least. But at least 16 hours a time. Like, if you sat there and watched something for 16 hours, and then you got to the end, and you felt like it didn't end well, like it didn't do the things it needed to do, like, you invested a lot in that story. It's like if you read a book and then get to the end, and they just kind of, the ending, you know? Mm-hmm. A book takes a lot of time to read. It's it's not a little investment, so you're kind of irritated. You read a single comic book and you get to the end and it, it's kind of then you you move on to the next like, issue. Okay, no, yeah, yeah. No like whatever. Like maybe I don't keep on getting that comic now. So the level of investment's a big thing. The level of like your life invested in it is another thing, and that's where like you can start to put 
your own feelings too much ahead of it, but, like, I don't think you are. I think just some people use that as a reason, too. But, like, it's different than, like, say you take Solo, which is its own story. It's not the ninth piece of a nine-part story. You could watch Solo, and if you think that it was crap, you could go, like, eh. We got a movie. I didn't like it. Move on. That's gonna. That's very different than Episode Nine, where you go, like, ah, man, I really, really wanted to like that, and... I kind of feel let down. Um, there's, you know, I like, I definitely have examples of that too. Kill Bill 2. I loved Kill Bill. I was so excited for Kill Bill 2 to come out. The movie was pretty good. And then the ending was so kind of like just Them anticlimactic that I was yeah. like, uh, what? It's, you know, but even that, it's a two movie investment. I went like, okay, you know, I still enjoyed it. Whatever. I, I got what I got out of it. Uh, yeah, I, you know, Everybody has their different spots, but I think that the big key difference is you have your feelings, but you're also not trying to run over other people's feelings with whatever you're feeling, you know? Yeah, and I I know that there, there's plenty of people that do try to do that, and I just, I don't know, I, I try to think about what what benefit can I add? Like, is there benefit to this thing I'm going to say? Is somebody going to get anything out of this? Is there is it going to improve anybody's experience of this? I think if anything, you'd say the best thing to do is say, well, here's the things I did like about something and, you know, try to find ways to get some meaning out of something, even if it um, doesn't seem to present that much meaning in its own text as as it's written or displayed or put on film or whatever. Yeah, I think, you know, I think one of the best examples for me nowadays is professional wrestling. WWE is so bad about not building stories well most of the time, but then when they do build them well, so often they pay them off so poorly. And, uh, like, it gets to be really frustrating. And going back a little ways now, like, I had a, a Facebook Messenger group uh, with my cousin Mike and a couple of other friends, and whenever the you know the WWE pay per views, which like now they're on the network, so like you can watch them all without paying any extra, it's cheap. Um, when those were on, we like we'd be on their messaging, and it turned into um, particularly one person, but like everybody but me and Mike just flat out bitching about everything so much that I just muted the conversation because I'm like, if you don't want to watch it, don't watch it. But if you're gonna watch it, like. Look for what's good about it instead of just like being like this is always awful to where you know to the point where they would call stuff that was actually good awful because they just train themselves to if it's not exactly what I want now it's bad and kind of cutting that out allowed me to enjoy what was there to enjoy at the same time though there's a lot of times that the product is really disappointing mm-hmm. and uh, like there was a uh, last Sunday was the backlash pay per view it was pretty awful and. Uh, I was texting with my cousin Mike some during it because, like, we both had it on. And it's like I didn't have high hopes for it, so it's kind of the thing where I had it on. I was just like, I'm going to watch what I watch when I'm in the room where it's on. And if I miss parts, like, I'm not really going to sweat it. Um, And I missed parts of it. I saw parts of it. And all in all, like, throughout it, like, I don't think we really had too many positive comments. Um, I mostly missed probably the one good match in, in the card. Uh, because just coincidentally, like, stuff was going on and I wasn't there for it. But, yeah, so, I mean, like, we did sit there and send a few messages back and forth being like, this is just bad. 
but we also weren't in a group and trying to find every negative thing and crush everybody else's enjoyment of stuff. And that's like, that's, that's where the difference lies. But it is really disappointing when you, especially when you invest time and energy in something to get to what should be the payoff and the payoff is, is missing or weak. Uh, But then when it's really good, it's really good. Maybe the line is when you're, when you're trying to convince other people that something is terrible, that seems like, the line where you're going too far and you're not really being productive. And, and I don't know. I don't, I don't know exactly know where that line is. I'm kind of curious to, to figure that out, but yeah. I don't think there's any benefit in trying to convince other people that something is really, really bad. Yeah. I think it's watching for whenever, whenever your comments is just adding negativity, like you can say something negative about something with good intentions and without and when your intentions clearly aren't good yeah, yeah. like uh i remember one time a while back i i tweeted somebody about uh i had gotten like the the uh death of wolverine comics or something like that i was like hey look what i got and then somebody else chimed in and was like you wasted your money on that and my response was you know what f you that's all i got to say to you yeah like, like why would like, you, you say had that no reason yeah like i i'm posting this because it's something that i and positive about so you coming in and just saying something negative there's no good intentions there it's not just a joke you're just being a negative asshole and trying to take down my enjoyment of something that's all there is to it so i I think it really pays to kind of think about that like uh if there's something i really dislike i usually try to find the right people to vent my feelings to about it where i know they're going to understand where i'm coming from and also probably offer insight yeah. Uh, so I think like I had seen you post something about episode nine. It was either that or another movie further ago. And I actually private messaged you and was like, tell me about it because like, I didn't care if anything got spoiled, but I also kind of want to know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So it's like, there, there's good ways to do that. And it's just, it's uh, if you go to the wrong people, then they're not going to help you sort through what you're feeling. Cause like for you, like with episode nine, it's something that is going to weigh on you because that there was a lot of meaning to it for you. Yeah. It's like having the right person go like, Hey, th- this is what I didn't like. And why is going to help you work through your feelings? Cause as silly as it is to be like, we have feelings that are sticking with us about like a fun movie. It's still the reality. Like we invest a lot of mental energy and, and emotion into this stuff. And that's what makes it enjoyable. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's what's, that's what's awesome about community. And that's also what can be really crappy about community is, uh, if the community turns to just like fostering that sourness. Yeah. I mean, you and I know each other because of Valiant Comics. Uh, I wasn't, I wasn't going to bring that up as we both, an example of anything in particular, but you know, I, I think we both, that's a big part of the reason why both of us segued out of it is both of us had experiences with other people that we formed close relationships with because of positivity and when all they wanted to do was live in the negativity it's like okay well we, we don't really have much reason to do this with you anymore you know and then you, like the best thing to do is when you realize that I just go your separate ways yeah and it's sometimes disappointing when that happens but I, it's I think important to keep yourself sane yeah it's, an, it's really important to prioritize like uh that's one thing that I realize is getting getting mentally and emotionally burnt out about comic books because you're friends with people, but then they start like acting in these negative ways. 
like it takes a toll on what actually matters in life and that was kind of a big when i kind of realized that it's like i have a kid i have a wife i have you know way more important things in my life to to put my energy on and i realized i was like that's when i just went you know what this isn't worth it anytime somebody's you know if, if it starts to be a drag okay goodbye you know you can be a drag but i i don't need to be a part of it anymore because i don't need that negativity and that's why even now like i i loved valiant comics for a long time and i have no desire to read the new stuff i kind of want to read the old stuff because i know i enjoyed it and i want to kind of see if it's still there and, and you know enjoyable but i also like i don't have the drive to because there was just so much negativity that didn't need to be there that it just has a sour taste now hmm. and so even even the older stuff you have a sour yeah, taste Yeah, I haven't for? tried reading it. Like, I think if I started, uh, just the thought of it, like, Archer and Armstrong was the, the series that got me really hooked into Valiant. Like, I was reading that and Bloodshot were the first two I started reading. Um, and I think if I went back and read Archer and Armstrong, I'd really enjoy it. I think you would. But I also... Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I just, like, uh, I need to be in the place where I, it, like, the, that negative energy, which that negative energy is dissipating. But I need that negative energy to be gone, so I go into it just like, hey, I'm like, this is just about me reading a comic, not about relating to this, you know, this whole like fake world I had built up with friends and stuff. That like, as soon as the common interest is gone, it turns out they were acquaintances, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. It's like that with everything. Like, find the positivity, enjoy stuff. I feel like we've gotten way too heavy. Oh, I know, right? I, I thought we were going to just like geek out and talk about Star Wars in this episode uh, and maybe some like talking about rappers and stuff and that was it. And Oh, well. Yeah, this is yeah, good though, right? Because people. You, I think what, what I'm really interested in understanding myself is my relationship with the things that I like and um, how I interact with them. Like understanding my relationship with star wars and it sounds so cheesy to say my relationship with star wars like it's a person or something but just kind of like what it means to me what role it plays in my life or like these my action figures like why do i buy these things or the comics like why do i buy them trying to understand what importance they have to me and what role they play in my life and what um emotional significance they can give me like you understanding that makes me appreciate how I interact with these things more. So I think that's, that's something that is kind of always on my mind and always kind of like something I'm thinking about because it's something I don't quite understand. And I think it's always also slightly changing uh, all the time. And so understanding how it's changing, I feel like I can better interact with something. Yeah, and I think it's very, very important to do that, too, because it's very easy for stuff to become habit and essentially addiction if you're not questioning whether or not you're enjoying it or why you're enjoying it or why you're doing it. Like, you could buy uh, every Star Wars action figure that comes out and just always buy them. Be like, I love Star Wars. I buy these. This is what I do. And you end up with a lot of stuff wasted a lot of money wasted a lot of time wasted a lot of energy and you didn't actually get any kind of positive out of it you could also do the same thing and get a lot of positive out of it it really depends on like that you know questioning what you're doing why you're doing it i've sold my comic collection twice over now and this time because of doing that like i understand a lot better what i value what i appreciate i'm not buying stuff that i don't appreciate like i don't buy new comics because i like reading comics 
but that and collecting are two separate things. And if I'm going to collect, I want to collect old, you know, like the Claremont run of X-Men. I want to collect, you know, old issues of Daredevil. And I want to, like, I know the way to do it, too. It's not hunt. I don't I don't need to finish the collection. I'm not trying to hunt it down as quickly as possible. That's where you get addicted to the hunt. You waste time. You waste money. And then as soon as you finish it, you're not stopping and enjoying it. You're hunting the next thing, you know? So, like, constantly questioning those things is, is super important to, like, what's the real value I'm getting out of this? Uh, you know, buying toys is a, is a good example where it's like I have developed my approach to if I'm going to buy a toy, buying it. Essentially, a toy is something that has no real value to me. Like, it doesn't bring, you know, it's not, not a necessity. Yeah, it doesn't, add, it doesn't improve my life in any, like, tangible way it's in yeah. just in kind of this ephemeral way that it improves my life yeah and so if you get the right toy at the right time for the right price it does give you a positive energy it gives you something positive that that is a plus but it's so easy to lose sight of why you're doing something and to do it out of habit or routine so i have an example for from for that from yesterday uh we went to a flea market that uh i know has a lot of comics and I know the comics are also overpriced because the way this guy prices literally all the comics is they're all either five or eight dollars, even if they should be in a quarter bin. Mm. Like he has a lot of crap that's priced for five or eight bucks. But all the booths at this flea market were having a sale because it's their like four year anniversary. Uh, and so I was like, okay, well, I'll go and look. And so I'm looking through the comics and I find a couple that with the 25% discount the guy had at his booth were probably, like, reasonably valued. But after digging through for a while, I, I had these couple, I was like, I think I'll get these. I realized that I was getting them to try to find something to get. I was rationalizing, like, yes, the value was probably appropriate for their condition and their value with, you know, with all things accounted for. But the, the reward that I get for getting them wasn't going to be there because it was... This is the the only couple of comics I could find in all this stuff that isn't like me being taken advantage of price wise, basically with bad pricing. So I say, you know what? I don't need to get these right now. I'm not going to read these right this minute. It's not like I'm like, oh man, I want this comic because then I would get it. It's oh, here's an old issue of Daredevil I could get for six bucks. That's worth about six bucks with a condition. It'll be one check mark in my list. There's not real enjoyment there. Like I'm not. It's not like completing the collection is driving me. You know, it's it's the I have my list so I make sure I don't buy two mm-hmm. and I'm slowly collecting it. I put them back. Went through some other, there was another booth that had some comics that were better priced. There wasn't anything too great in that one, but like I got a couple of comics for my son. I got one that I tweeted about that was like a uh, not only a, a war comic but like a ghost comic and I'm like I have friends who like both of those things so somebody will want this. Oh yeah, and I the saw comic that. Comic was a dollar, yeah. Hmm. So like I'll get this and I'll like I know I I you know tweeted the the couple of guys that I know would love it and um you know and then all they did was like click like on it and so then I was like do either of you want this? Like I didn't get it cuz I want it so bad. I got it cuz like I know somebody else would want this and it was so cheap that it wasn't harmful to do so, you know. But the best thing I did was I left I left that flea market without buying anything for myself, essentially. Uh, you know, I found a couple comics for my son, found one to share with a friend at some point. If I had bought those other comics, I would have been like, they weren't something that I didn't want. But all the real positive of what I do wasn't actually there. Yeah. And I was trying to, to tell myself it was there. 
Yeah, I've been in situations like that where like I'm I'm at a convention and I just don't really find anything that I want to get and I feel like, well, I I could buy this comic that I see here for 20 bucks or something just to like feel like I got something out of the day or that I accomplished something or that I got something there or I could just say, you know, I I don't actually want this or need this right now. I'm just going to step away from it and not get it and sometimes that is the best choice and uh, i i try to be better at making those decisions where am i getting something just to get something because i'm here and i'm like coming up with reasons why it's a good idea or is it something that is actually serving a purpose and what i've started doing is i've i like i have my collecting goals where i've decided okay this is the set thing that i want to collect and uh for the most part it's all of uncanny x-men and some other x titles and so it's a very clear set goal where i know okay i want to have this entire run and so when i find an issue i need i know this is serving my goal and if i find something that looks cool but isn't part of that goal i can pass on it better because i have an idea of what it is that i'm trying to uh to accomplish and get and so i've i've started to try to take on this mindset of if i see something that looks really cool but isn't part of what i've decided i want to collect try to just appreciate that it exists but then walk away from it without getting it because I can appreciate something that it exists without owning it and putting it in my box of comics. Yeah. Especially because then you put it in a box and it sits there out of sight. Oh yeah. That too. Yeah. (laughs) I used to do that with, um, with video games. Like when I, before, before we had our son, I was younger and had more time or whatever, but like they'd have, you know, buy two, get one free deals at GameStop on used games and stuff like that. So you go up like, oh, man, you know, I just wanted to go look at games so they have this deal. So you'd find, like, one game you really wanted, and then you would, like, rationalize more things to get. And I would end up with a whole bunch of games I didn't have time to play or that much drive to play. And it's still so easy to fall into that trap. And now it's even easier because it's digital. You, you go on the PlayStation Network, and you know, they have sales. And you look through the sales, and you're like, oh, there's some really good deals. Let me find the deal I'm going to convince myself I want. I've gotten really good at not buying something just because it's cheap because no matter how cheap it is if i don't think i'm gonna play it soon it's gonna be a waste of money and like i don't mind having a couple of games stocked up that i want to play like i bought uh i bought shadow of the tomb raider around black friday because it was on sale for 15 bucks but i played the first two games in that series and love them so i know that that i don't mind having that game sit there for that price you know you're gonna get to to it eventually and like it yeah you know i i finally got red dead redemption for 30 bucks on sale and that one I knew was going to be the one that when I got it, I start playing it immediately. And I did. And I played through it all and it was well worth it. See, that's one where I, for me, was the opposite. More like the first case you're, you're uh, explaining where I've seen Red Dead Redemption on sale. And I played the first one and I like it. But right now I know I don't have time to play Red Dead Redemption 2. I don't have however many hours it's going to take to play through that game uh, just available in my life. So... I'm just have passed on it whenever I've seen it on sale because I know now's not the time for me and it's not like it's never going to be on sale again in the future like you've said so I've been able to pass on that another good example of that is like um, 
Fallout. What is it? Fallout Four is the most recent. I know I've I've wanted Fallout seventy six. I think Fallout Four was uh, a while ago. Then there was Fallout New Vegas. I haven't played any of them. Seventy six. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't played. I mean, the last Fallout I played was Fallout Three. So in my mind, Fallout Four was the next one for me to play. But I've known I just don't have time for that game. So I've never bought it because I just know when I do have time. Like it's going to go on sale soon. So, and even if it doesn't, I can afford to pay the whatever thirty dollars it is now at full price. To, yeah, uh, to get and that's it. a big learning point too. Is if you buy stuff on sale because you might want it, you end up wasting a lot more money than if you just buy what you really want when you want it, even if it's not on sale. Yeah. So I the other day, I so I went through both sides of this this conversation. Uh, PlayStation Network sale is looking at games. I got intrigued by the Dark Souls series. Uh, they had Dark Souls one remastered for twenty bucks. They had Dark Souls two for ten bucks and three for um, like with the like the the whole like Game Pass like season pass like all the content for like thirteen bucks. And I'm like, oh, this is a really good deal. You know, I sold some comics to friends. So I got twenty bucks. I'm really only spending another twenty bucks to get all this. So I bought all three of them. Downloaded the first one. Played it for a few minutes. When holy crap, this was hard. Uh, I made a mistake. Uh-huh. Then I I had to spend like half an hour contacting PlayStation customer service, and they refunded me for the other two because I hadn't downloaded them yet, so I was able to return them. Oh, cool. So I at least did that, and you know, rectified what I could of my mistake. But then, like that same day, I saw uh, you know GameStop is having all kinds of crazy deals, probably because they're struggling. And they had a deal uh, where you could get five used games, nine ninety nine or less, for twenty five bucks. So I said, okay, that's intriguing. And you, I'm used to that deal being a bunch of like crappy old sports games that nobody wants, anyways. But I think because PlayStation Five just got announced, one of the things that is happening is that um, older games prices are dropping, and a place like GameStop wants to liquidate those. So I look, and I'm like, wow, there's actually some games I want to play. So I look for a little bit. I'm like, there's plenty of things I can pick. And then, plus, if you hit 35 bucks, you get free shipping. So I'm like, okay, I could get a couple more games and end up getting <laughs> uh, spending 35 bucks. So I, I, I did it. I got seven games for with sh- with tax, like 38 bucks. But the games I got, like some of them might just be taking a shot at something, but some of them are games that I legitimately want to play. And when I got them, I threw one right in my PlayStation and started playing it. Well, that's and great. And that then. one is one. Yeah, it was. That's where it was worth it. It was a good deal. But like, I really looked and said, "Is this worth it?" And I talked myself out of it like twice before I did it too. Um, the game I started playing is South Park: uh, The Fractured But Whole. I'm not the hugest South Park fan or anything. Like, I've had enjoyment from it and stuff. But uh, a friend of mine really likes it and kept on going on about it. So I was like, "Eh, you know, for for five bucks, essentially, it's worth a crack." Um. And I played through some of it, and it's it's fun. It's stupid. It's really crude, but it's it's fun. Like I'm definitely like even if I don't play the whole game, if I play it for a while, I get five bucks worth of value out of it. And then if I if I just end up throwing it in my trash after I play it for a while, who cares? Like I'll get that five bucks out of it. I got Fallout Four, which I had played some before, like when it first came out, and I've always kind of wanted to replay it a little bit more. And one of the things I've learned with big open games like that for me is just like plug through the story and I'll start to find my groove with what I actually want to do. That's what I did with Red Dead Redemption 2 is I didn't get caught up in the like, oh, I can like do all this hunting. I need to complete all. No, I 
I focused on the story, and then I realized that the side stories were fun to do too, and they didn't bog you down too much. And just the action of playing the game was enjoyable, so it was good. So Fallout 4 for 5 bucks to be able to give it another crack and see if I like it. Even if I play it for a while and decide it's not for me, I'll get that 5 bucks out of it. Oh, cool. I got um, Fallout 76 because uh, it was one of the games I got to help me bump up over 35 bucks, But it was on sale, like one of their flash deals for $4. So I was like, okay, whatever. Um, if it's bad, it's only a few bucks. Um, I haven't heard the best things about it, but... You know, I'll always, you know, dink around with it enough. Um, I got Shadow of Mordor, which I don't know if you've ever played oh, that. Oh, yeah, that's, I, I love yeah. that game. I, so, like, I loved that game, played it all, and then I got Shadow of War, played it a bunch, did not like it nearly as much. I had the exact same experience. They put too much in it, really. They they it made it too complicated. There's too many things to do, which if, if you love it and want to invest the time, that it's not bad, but... Yeah. Shadow of Mordor is just a little bit more consolidated. And that's what I wanted more. So I actually bought it to be able to play it again. Um, I was just it, thinking like that. about that because I like just within the last day or two, I realized, man, like I still have Shadow of War that I played like the first twenty five percent of, and then just kind of abandoned it. And I thought that that was strange because I played through the first one and really, really loved it. That's why I got the second one. And uh, I was just kind of trying to think, like, well, that, that seems strange. Like, why wouldn't I want to play through all the second one, too? But, like, I have no desire to go back to that game right now. Yeah. And, like, one of the things I've learned is when you're in that place, ditch it. Move on. Don't even think about it. Just be done with it. Like, don't even say, like, oh, I'll get back to it someday. Like, when you know, you know that you're done with it, be done with it. Like, I don't know if you have a physical copy. Trade it in at GameStop and get the like. It's not, probably not worth anything. Yeah, but um, <laughs> get your fifty you know, cents. <laughs> give it to somebody else. Uh, drop it off a Goodwill. Uh, sell it on eBay for a couple of bucks. Give it to a friend. Uh, you know, use it as a coaster. Just get rid of it. If you keep those things around, they they weigh on you. Yeah, just get rid of it. You know, like if you have a bunch of comics that you know you don't want to keep in your collection and you don't want to read, get rid of them. You know, if you, I, I've done that with books. I've done I'm working that with on movies. it, Paul. I'm, I'm working on it. <laughs> I know. I, I've benefited a bit from that. But I mean, that's that's not like that's why I do big time. Like you've given me a bunch of comics a couple of times, and and I I believe I've given you coffee both times, yes. which makes us both quite happy. But a lot of times I get all those comics, and I go like, I want these ones. I don't really want these ones, and then I send them on to somebody else. Cool. Yeah, I, it's funny. My, uh, I was talking to my wife last night. And I, I told her, yeah, just reminding her, yeah, I'm going to record with Paul in the morning. And she's like, just kind of reminding herself, wait, where's Paul live? I was like, oh, he's in Maine. He's like, is he the coffee guy? And I was like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so she benefits from that arrangement as well. It's my great bartering point. It's why why people's wives like me is I give them coffee. <laughs> well, well, my wife is a fan for that reason. Yeah, I actually. Uh... I sold some comics to another friend and uh, told him instead of like doing cheap media mail shipping, I said, pay for priority mail shipping and I'll just send you some coffee for your wife because I knew his wife likes Starbucks. So I was like, then it's win win. Like, you'll actually get more value than what you're spending, anyways, from the coffee that I'm giving you. Mm-hmm. And your wife will be happy. And that's always a good thing. Exactly. It's good. You know, it's just good to be kind to people. You ingratiate yourself to people by being kind. And let me tell you, there's been more people that have done stuff for me that I've done nothing to earn or deserve that. It's like, why not do that for other people too? 
good vibes. Good vibes do good things. It's but, a good way to live. <sighs> yeah. Huh. So anyways, like I was pretty happy. I, I love I love finding a good deal, which is a double edged sword. But like I feel like with those games, uh, I uh, Borderlands is another one of them. Uh, I re- I've I played that a little bit back years ago when we still lived in California, and I've been wanting to to give that one another shot. Um, I think that's the just like I feel like I might have missed something, but whatever. But yeah, it's like that's a good deal. It's like okay, I have all these different games to play now, and honestly, if I play them some and don't like them. I'll chuck them in my trash can or give them to somebody else. You know, it's like it's no big loss because I got them for for such a good deal. But I also like now have this stack in front of me of it's like either play them or burn them. You know. Cool. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I I think we've been going at this for a while. Why don't we wrap this up here, huh? I feel like we we've, yeah. we've gotten a good uh, moral lesson. And we also <laughs> snuck in some <laughs> good, fun, and geeky stuff, too. So <laughs> it's a win-win at this We're point. We're like Schoolhouse Rocks. We make you learn while entertaining you. That's great. Well, uh, <laughs> we'll see. Um, hopefully there's somebody out here who just enjoyed it and didn't learn a thing and just took it for the, the surface-level <laughs> entertainment as well because that is fine, too. You don't have uh, to learn anything from us. We lost those people when we insulted Jar Jar Binks. Oh, I know. <laughs> well, I don't know. Or, or we probably lost them more when we said you shouldn't be so negative about Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's been fun. You have a bike ride to go do. And, I sure uh, do. Surprisingly enough, it's actually getting uncomfortably hot outside in Maine. Whoa, nice. Excellent. Yeah, we're, we're rocking a 90 plus degree weekend. All right. It's, uh, it's nice and overcast right now. So I want to try to get in my bike ride before the sun comes out. Well, enjoy your exercise. It's been a pleasure talking to you. As always, absolutely. Until next time. <laughs>